Welcome to the Inside Edge. Today we are coming to you live and direct from the JW Marriott in LA Live as the Blue Jackets will take on the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night. I'd like to thank, before we even get going here, uh, Eric, who works security in the lobby here. He was so helpful to me. You would not believe the hoops we had to jump through just to be able to set up and do the <laughs> show today. But Eric was great to me, so thanks to him and the staff here at the Marriott for letting us do it. And, and Jody, the Blue Jackets come into uh, the game against L.A. tomorrow after a win last night in San Jose. Look, I didn't know what that game was going to be, but I didn't think it was going to be what it was, a 6-5 to five win for the Blue Jackets in overtime. Johnny Gaudreau's best day is a Blue Jacket ever to this point as he had five points in the game last night um, and it was the back to the old find a way to win that's what the Blue Jackets did last night yeah you know they got some big saves from Tarasov at key moments there were there were goals at either end that goaltenders both of them weren't happy with letting in and special teams rose for both teams and and then there was a lot of turnovers and excitement especially in that three-on-three at the end of the game when Johnny Goodrow and Patrick Line had a two-on-o that seemed like it was going on for four or five minutes. It was just, uh, I don't know, was there six passes back and forth, and then finally Patrick found the puck behind the net. Capo Kakinen was dizzy by the time yeah, the puck went in the we net. We all were. And then, of course, Johnny Goodrow gets the game winner. So, you know, the San Jose Sharks are in, in a very similar situation to the Columbus Blue Jackets where they're a team that is in a major transition. They've moved some key pieces out. They're looking for new pieces to come in and really revamp that organization. And for the Blue Jackets, you know, they have prospects, more prospects than the San Jose Sharks, and a lineup that, hey, can do some damage. That talent rose last night for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and, uh, you know, Boone Jenner and the boys got it done. So it's good to see that on the road, especially the first game of the road trip. You know, it, it's a long flight to, to San Jose from Columbus. Uh, the team did come two days early, which I think, as a broadcaster, was a great idea because you get that extra day. You actually feel parsley normal by day two was it and game or day three i guess that game day and then uh, good to see the guys go out there in, in that uh in that building and win yeah it was really good to see them go out there and win you mentioned boone jenner uh two goals in that game boone is just rolling again and uh the the uh way that he and johnny gaudreau work together you know we all year everybody's talked about the chemistry right from the beginning the chemistry with Johnny and Patty, Johnny and Patty, how they working together? What's the chemistry? Are they going to work together? Aren't they? But really, if you look back at it now, it's the chemistry between Johnny Gaudreau and Boone Jenner that has been the most important. Patrick Liney's been on and off that line, but those two guys have played together almost all year, and you really are, are starting to see the uh, the benefit of that right now. Yeah, and you know, for Johnny Gaudreau, with Boone Jenner being such a good centerman, there's a lot of defensive zone starts, and that's not what something that Johnny is used to doing in his career. And so that's been a little different from him. He's playing a different system in the defensive zone, more of a zone up top where man-on-man springs him a little quicker to beat that man that is trying to protect, trying to guard him, and that's why he hasn't had as many breakaways. But the chemistry with Boone Jenner, you're right. How about Boone? He made those plays look easy. Both passes he got from Johnny Goodrow were hard to pick up. Not only did he pick him up, but he got him on net. And, you know, he, he's become one of those hard-nosed power forward finishers with Johnny Goodrow, but not getting away from his brand of hockey. I mean, it's not like he plays the game any differently with Johnny Goodrow. He's straight ahead, hard, on pucks, determined, uh, drives the 
the emotional heartbeat of the team, and, and, and that's a key for that line. I also do like Patrick Laine and Johnny Goodrow finding each other on the power play. I mean, that's a big deal, and, and I think it's it's Patrick figuring out Johnny and how he's got to work himself into positions and, and kind of figuring out, oh, this is what he this is where he wants me to be. Now, last night with the San Jose Sharks, there was probably more open ice available to those players than in some of the games you've seen in the East and in some of these games where, you know, even like Dallas where you have that heavy board battle game, those situations. And, you know, it's good to see the players play different games, but it's great to see them get rewarded last night. I think that power play combination that you're talking about, we saw that with the power play goal that Patrick scored against the St. Louis Blues last Saturday at Nationwide Arena when Johnny had it on the half wall, got it into the circle, and somehow zips a pass through three sticks Right across the slot, lays it on Patrick Stick for the one-timer in the left-wing circle. So I was saying earlier about chemistry. Maybe they haven't had such chemistry playing on the same line in the 5-on-5, five five, but they're finding it on the power play. Yeah, they are, and that's a key, right? I mean, this this power play is the best players. They want to feel good about themselves. They want the touches. They want each other to feel good about the, the work they're putting in. Offensive zone time is a key, sustained time down there, because that's when they can get set up. And earlier in the year, you remember, they weren't spending much time in the offensive zone. It was hard to get in. It was hard to get set up. The power play's been good, really good of, of late as far as being a threat, and that's what they want. They want to feel like, okay, the goalie made the save, but at least they're there, and it's one, two, three passes to set up the dangerous play. So just to see them get through that and then get rewarded with some goals, that's a key for this team starting next season. And if that's the chemistry they're looking for, hopefully something like this, establishing what they understand of each other this last part of the season, will carry over in that. I think it naturally will. I mean, what Johnny Goodrow got with, with Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk in Calgary, it, it took time. It didn't just click right away. They had to figure out kind of where they were and what they were together. You, you've seen it with Boone Jenner. We just talked about that in a similar situation. And now you're seeing with Line A because it doesn't just happen with talent because you have to have that piece, especially Johnny Goodrow, and I think all the time how much he misses Zach Wierenski because Zach Wierenski is like that other great option to go to on the power play or on five-on-five. So those are other pieces that will add to his game, and and, and it will be fun to watch that grow together over the next few seasons. Let's go back to Boone Jenner for a second because he got two last night. He now has 22 goals on the year. He actually leads the team. He's one ahead of Patrick Laine in the goal department. I don't know if I would have thought that at this time of the year, if you asked me at the beginning. And Patrick has missed some time, but Boone missed some time too when he had the the thumb injury. But – you know, here's Boone Jenner, who has had 30 goals in his career at one point. I firmly believe that he would have challenged to have 30 last year if he wouldn't have gotten hurt and had missed uh, the end of the season. And here he is again, right back in it, 22 goals. If he doesn't have 25 by the end of the year, you can knock me over with a feather because I think he gets to that. And, and how close does he get to 30? I'm really impressed with him this year. I am too. And, and people ask all the time, how's Boone holding up? And, and Boone is fine. He seems fine to us. Uh, you know, he can tell his leadership off the ice. We get to see it around the hotels, uh, on the buses, on the planes, and we get to see it on the ice where that is a consistent effort with him. And, and when you have a guy like that in a struggling season who's doing good things, not just personally, but for the team to succeed, uh, you know, you, you got to be really impressed with how he carries himself and how he's putting pucks in the net because there's times where you watch Boone or you think, he doesn't have that polish, but he's got it. He's got a good shot. He's a good skater. He's smart in the defensive zone. That leads to those offensive opportunities. He's good on the face-off. So, 
you know, there's 31 other teams in this league that would love to have Boone Jenner. And uh, for the Blue Jackets now, they've got him at a perfect time, especially as things around him are, are young and injured and the, the losses are mounting up. He is definitely a bright spot here in, in many different ways. Yeah, you talk about him being fine. Uh, yesterday after the morning skate, we were going out to the bus and he was standing there by himself. And I went up to him and I said, hey, um, it would be okay if you could get that practice on Wednesday in L.A. canceled, you know? And he goes, yeah, maybe we can get a big win tonight and make that happen. Then he goes out and he scores two goals, yeah. makes it happen, and, and no practice. You just need a carrot, Bob. <laughs> I mean, you just need something to play for. And if it means a day off in L.A., even though it was rainy today, you know, it's still a nice day off in that area. Yeah, and it's, you know, there were questions yesterday. People were asking questions about the, the road trip and the chemistry and, and I know that happens and that works, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, it's the end of the year. There's 15 games left. You know, the, the chemistry thing is like, who cares about that? Uh, to me, when I look at it, it's like this has been a, a terrible season in many aspects. Uh, for guys personally, for the team as a whole, the organization, not where it thought it was going to be. To me, this trip is kind of a trip where guys can breathe. Uh, it's coming to an end. They, all these guys get along really well, so you're with your friends for one last long hurrah, you still have some road games left, but this is this is a time where you get that that last big push together, kind of as a family, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's always a special trip. You look at a few things when you get the calendar as a player. It's the Christmas break, it's the All Star break, and then it's the LA trip. And you know, this is one that yeah, you look forward to. A lot of these kids have not ever seen this part of the world. You know, this is uh, Northern California down to Southern California. It's a different lifestyle. It's palm trees. It's usually sunshine, and, and it's kind of a one of those things where you, you step outside and think, yeah, this is a pretty cool place to get prepared to play a hockey game, you know. So I agree with you. It, there's a, you look at the long trip, you know there's a lot of moving parts and pieces, but the days you do get like this, you get to enjoy the environment you in, you're in and your teammates. You know, they've already had team meals uh, on this trip. They're going to have more, and, and it's. I think it's a special time, and I think the wins – uh, help that, especially the first one of the road trip for the Blue Jackets. You know, you get prepared to play the LA Kings, who are playing really good hockey right now. But you've already got one win under your belt, and and you, you can enjoy each other even more because you know you see players now at the breakfast table who feel good about themselves. You feel good about uh, rubbing elbows with players and and teammates that you know you stuck with the game plan, you got the win, and you can move along. So there's a lot to this trip uh, that'll help these kids grow. Not in not just to end this year, but into the off season and next year. Yeah, and one thing that everybody knows is no team is the same from one year to the next. Some people are going to stay. Some people are going to go. Some new people are going to come in. So just enjoy it while you have it, and that's what they're going to do on this trip. And as Jody said, hopefully win some games as they go along. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Blue Jackets assistant coach and former Blue Jackets player, Jared Bull. But right now I want to tell you to renew your tickets by March the 31st, and you'll guarantee your seats for next season. You can go to bluejackets.com slash renew now, and you're going to get some big-time savings and a chance to win one of over 1,200 prizes. Jared Bull joins us next on the Inside Edge from L.A. Live here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. We're here at L.A. Live. The Blue Jackets getting set to take on the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley, and we're joined right now by Blue Jackets assistant coach Jared Bull. You know, I, 
that's that kind of rolls off my tongue, but it still sounds weird to me sometimes, Jared. I mean, here you are, a guy that came into the organization, of course, played. Uh, you and Jody had the same job. You eventually edged him out of his job. He went elsewhere. You went on, then went elsewhere, and then he came back, and now you're on this coaching staff. I, I, I want to ask you, was this always your plan, like, to, to coach, or is this just something that happened at the end of your career that uh, you got an opportunity to be around to do some things and decided that you wanted to do this, that you liked it? Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I didn't plan it. Um, towards my last few years, I thought about what I was going to do next and kind of had it in the back of my mind. But um, going into it, I just kind of wanted to roll to, um, to kind of help younger guys and uh, help the team. And it, it started real slow kind of when Torts was here with uh, just staying back and skating extras and, and doing that. And kind of my role grew as uh, – Every year went on, and then uh, changing coaching staff, and Lars gave me more of an important role and uh, kind of a full-time gig traveling with the team and brought me on the bench, and it's kind of just grew from there. And uh, it's been awesome, man. It's uh, I love doing it. Um, I love coaching. Uh, I've told a lot of people that I'm, I'm starting to fall in love with coaching more, more than I did playing. And um, obviously you don't have to deal with the physical grind, but um, it's, a, it's a lot different uh, – grind uh, of a season than uh, as it was as a player but um, I enjoy it it's it's fun it's hard it's uh, challenging and uh, it's been it's been awesome for me is the grind more mental now especially because you can't control the results of what happens all you can do is talk to players prepare players but you're not playing the game anymore so you're you're not out there making their decisions they're making them you're forced to watch them so is that more of the the mental part of it as opposed to how physical it was when you played yeah uh for me just try to get the players as prepared as they can um, going into each game and, and make sure they're ready to play. And like you said, once the puck drops, it's uh, – I mean, there's some stuff the coaches do throughout the games, uh, little changes here and there. But um, it's up to the players to go out there and execute and, and play hard and, and do their thing. So, yeah, it's a little different. Uh, and that way you can't jump on the ice and get in a fight and change the momentum of a game or, or you know, or something like that you're used to. But um, it's uh, – yeah, it's mentally – definitely mentally challenge challenging and uh it's 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 hard um just kind of sitting back and watching and, and not being able to make an impact physically but um it's really rewarding when you see the hard work that um, these guys put in and, and you see a payoff on the ice um that's that's the rewarding part how many times cool i'm sorry how many times have you found yourself saying something to a player that you recall as a player was being said to you and it kind of like yeah, now I know exactly what this is all about. A lot, and uh, now I know why um, coaches and, and past people trying to help um, did and, and said the stuff they, they were saying. Um, but it, it's cool because you, you take a lot of stuff that you learned along the way and maybe you use the same thing, but you, you say it a different way or you present it a different way because um, everyone kind of has their own way of doing things. So I think that's kind of what I'm learning is, is how to – how to get through to the guys because everyone knows um, what they're supposed to do, but you can get through to the guys and, and make them play hard or get them to play hard and and uh, show up every night and be consistent, I think, is the, is the main thing. Our guest tonight is Jared Bowl, Blue Jackets alumni, assistant coach. And, Jared, I want to ask you, what's the best part of your job right now? Um, well, we have, a, we have a real young team. Uh, I feel like we've been saying that the past few years, but, but we do, and, and – 
these guys are still really young, and they might not be young in age, but a bunch of these guys are first-year full-time NHL players. So I know how hard it is. And uh, the most rewarding thing for me is, is when you see, like I said, the guys put in the work and and uh, you, you want results right away, but that's just not how it goes. So week after week, month after month, putting in the work, putting in the work, and you're see, starting to see some guys uh, get rewarded for it. And, uh and it's showing up in games, and they're getting rewarded with more ice time and chipping in points and uh, and starting to become everyday NHL players, and that's the coolest thing to see for me. You put in a lot of hard work, a lot of time at the rink, and, and gaining the trust of a player is obviously the most important part of a, a coaching position, especially an assistant coach. How, do you find yourself doing that in different ways with these kids? Yeah, I think so. And the short time I've done it, I think I've changed or changed my approach sometimes the way way you handle guys. Um, and and I the biggest thing for me, I was fortunate enough to have a career, so I can kind of lean back on that and and uh, uh, things that I went through. So I try to think like or as best I can try to think what they're thinking. And and uh, it's not always easy, but it's it's a, it's your job to show up every night. So if I can get through them get through to them and and uh they're not always going to like it but um if it helps them in the long run and helps our team in the long run that's uh that's the way I try to do it. Yeah, because I think you have Cole Sillinger who's a western Canadian kid, then you've got Marchenko who's from Russia, and then you've got Kent Johnson who's uh taking the college path. So that would be three different approaches, would it not? Yeah, and and they're all different people. Like it's uh come from different backgrounds like you said. Um, I think they all handle stuff a different way. Um, so the biggest thing is you got to get to know them, and that takes time too. You can't just jump into it and and expect these guys to trust you and listen to you right away. You got to get to know them and and, and try to understand um, how they see it and what they're thinking. And and that's kind of the one thing that I've adapted is when I sit down with guys and do video or, or talk to them, I I give them the floor too. It's not me just saying, hey, do this, do that. It's what are you thinking in this one? This is what I see and, and kind of make it more of a conversation than, um, hey, you need to do this and, and you did this wrong. And It's more of uh, what can we do better to, to get better as a player and as a team. I see you out there. You've got all kinds of great drills. Do you write those down? Did you write them down as a player or did you, you just kind of learn them? And, and I know you watched other teams' practices too early when you started this. Yeah, no, I didn't write him down as a player I I don't remember really much. I kind of wish I did because yeah, I too. can't remember a drill me too and I don't remember much much of the <laughs> drills we did when I was playing um but uh just in the short time I've I've kind of got a pretty good book uh I've learned a lot from Kenny McCutton um over the years working a lot with him doing smaller smaller group skill stuff and then uh yeah like you said I, I watch other teams pregame skates get stuff from that practices get stuff from that and I think that's the best way to, to learn. I don't know if you call it stealing or borrowing drills. but um, Just borrowing. I, I do that quite a bit because uh, I think it's good. It's, you, you watch the real good teams and how they practice and, and what they're doing and what makes them so good, and if you can take a little bit from that, I think it's uh, it, it helps it helps our group. And you had Kenny McCutton. You have a long relationship with him. I remember you brought him in for us as a skills coach when we were still playing, and that was a long time ago for me. Um you get hired and you're with him. What was that like for you to come in and, and kind of work with him right away? It was awesome. Um, I owe a lot to I owe a lot to Kenny and and uh, Torts and Lars, everyone, because when I first came in, they they kind of just gave me a role and they didn't have to. Um, I was a young 
I was still young, kind of long in my career, but a young guy. And uh, it's tough when you when you're done playing and you're trying to get in. You you kind of need a a guy or two to to give you a break and give you a chance. And I was lucky enough to get that. And uh, yeah, we've we've had a good relationship. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Um, I feel real comfortable with them, and and we work well together uh, on the ice with the guys. And we both bring a kind of a different aspect to the game and and how we see it. And um, he's been doing it a long time, and like I said, I'm I'm just kind of getting into the coaching thing. But um, I take stuff uh, from my from my playing days and, and apply it too. So it's been good. We're talking with Blue Jackets assistant coach Jared Bull here on the Inside Edge. We'll continue with more right after this on 97.1 The Fan. The Inside Edge coming to you from L.A. Live. You know, we figured we needed a big star today yeah. because we're in Los Angeles. Nobody bigger than Jared Bull mm -hmm. in Blue Jackets lore. So here he is now, an assistant coach with the team. Um, when Jody asked you earlier, what's your favorite thing about this job? I want to ask you, what is the toughest thing about this job right now because of where this team is? And it's sitting in last place and and, and you've struggled because of the injuries you've gotten behind the eight ball early on here between injuries, bad luck, and sometimes just plain ineffectiveness. It has been a long season, and it's winding to the end, but it's got to be extremely frustrating. I know as a player, sometimes you've gone through bad seasons. What's the difference between doing that as a player and doing it as a coach? Uh, not much. I mean, losing season's hard on everyone. Uh, it, it makes it long. It's, uh, like I said earlier, it's a grind when, when you're not winning. Um, but it, there, there's been some positives out of the year. Uh, I know, I know the wins and the wins and losses haven't been where we want to be. Um, but I see some growth in some guys, and, and that's the biggest thing for me. Um, obviously, no matter where you are or, or what team you have, you want to win games. You go into every night wanting to win, and, and it sucks to lose. And um, we've we've had to deal with a lot of that this year. Um, like you said, we've. Some unfortunate bounces um, have happened our way, and but some of the, some of the nights I I think we can play better too. Um, so it, it's been hard that way, but but like I said, there's been some positives throughout the year. Um, some guys stepping up, you see guys getting better, um, and it just like I said, it takes time. You can't snap the fingers and and have these guys in a playoff picture. We we got to work at it, and it's a tough league, and everyone's trying to win. Everyone's trying to make the playoffs, so. Um, as long as we keep getting better every day and, and not worrying about who's out, but worrying about who we have on the ice and, and making them the best player they can be, it's all you can do. The game has changed a lot since you guys played, and the, the physical part, it's a different physical kind. It's more of a finisher check, and I'm sure sometimes you wish they'd do that more than they do overall. Uh, it, it's not much fighting, but when there is that, Matthew Olivier is a guy that has uh, stepped up for the Blue Jackets. They brought him in to provide a little bit more toughness, but I, I think that this team has gotten a lot of more a lot more out of him than just that. When you watch a guy like that, Jared, and you know he can throw the fist when he needs to, but now you're watching him become a really important part of what goes on day in and day out. The way he holds the puck now has been really important. Uh, when he and Sean Corrali and Eric Robinson were playing together before Corrali's injury, you guys didn't have to think about that line. Throw that one out there all the time. They're going to do the same thing. How impressed have you been? Have you been with Matthew in particular? Uh, you know, based on the skill set, where he started the year and where he is right now. Yeah, he's he's been awesome. Um, right from day one, I, I sat down with him and we chatted before camp and and just kind of told him how excited we all are that he's here and uh, 
and I think he could be more than just a five-minute guy that goes out there and, and takes care of business when he has to. And um, he said that he he believes in himself too, and he wants to be, become a player and and uh, an everyday guy. And, and man, he has, and he and he works. He works at it. It's it's not by accident. Um, and it's been great to see. And he's been a he's been a good good uh, good spot um, for us this year, and, and a, a real good uh, addition to our team. And he's not the only one. Liam Foodie, um, he struggled. He's, it was a tough start for him, but you can kind of see him now taking off a little bit and getting rewarded. And and uh, same with I mean, Kent Johnson. He's a first-year guy, and, and you can kind of see him throughout the year grow. This is a long year, and, and a lot of these guys aren't used to playing 82 games um, with this travel schedule, and, and, it, and it's hard. So when you see these guys, these young guys and um, putting the work and, and get rewarded for it, it's uh, it's awesome. And and I look at a guy like Eric Robinson too, who's who we've been on for two, three years to kind of get involved and and be more physical and, and play that role and and show up every night. And and I feel like this year he's really taken a step to become that that real solid NHL player that you can rely on every night. And um, it's cool to see. And Eric Branson was added on the back end a lot for that same reason. Big guy, a little bit of size. I mean, unfortunately, this team learned last year the hard way about not having enough of that physical element because it's still a big part of the game, right? And and branson has been able to to provide that and some stability on the blue line, especially in a year where it seems like uh, blue liners go down every other day. Yeah, good. He's been a, he's been a solid uh, pro for us all year, man. That guy... I don't think I've ever seen him take an optional skate. And he's how long has he been in the league? Ten years or so, ten plus years. And uh, he comes, he works, he works hard in the gym. It's it's great for our guys to see uh, just what it takes uh, to have a long career in this league. And and he's been good for us. And yeah, he's a he's a big big boy that uh, has a presence out there. So it's nice to have those two guys on the on the bench or or on the ice when uh, when teams think they can uh, run around a little bit and and maybe get a little cocky. We've had discussions before, Jared, about we're ama- like, you didn't have to tell us what we had to do. I mean, it was like we saw an opportunity to do something for the team, and we jumped at it. You, you have to have those conversations now, and, and when you do have them with some of these players, we say, hey, man, if you can play a little more physical, you're probably going to make more of an impact and have a longer career. Uh, is it funny to have those conversations to you? Because I, I, I'm amazed at it personally that, I would just think it's instinctual, but I guess these kids now, they just don't understand that right away. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for you, but for me, I was not. I mean, I was a decent player in junior, but um, I had to play that way to separate myself from everyone else. I didn't have the skills to to you know throw up a hundred points a year and 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 just get get by on that. So, did I, someone tell you to do that though? I just I, no, I my dad kind of pushed it a little bit to to get involved physically and, and just play hard all he all he really wanted me to do was play hard um but I grew up loving the Red Wings and for some reason I mean Iserman and Federoff those guys were great but I was always drawn to the Darren McCarty Chris Draper you know Joey Kosher type guys that that I just I loved the way they played so I I I felt like I could I could do that and uh it's funny talking to these young guys I think that I mean a lot of these guys are best players on their team their whole life so they don't they don't really have to play that way and uh when you get to the nhl everyone was the best player on their team their whole life so you if you don't add something other than just skating fast and and trying to score you're someone's gonna pass you up so um i think it is finally 
getting through to some guys that you do have to bring another element because the guy that put up 100 points in junior is not going to jump into the NHL and put up 100 points. Um, there's very few guys that can do it. Um, so if you can add something else to your game other than scoring or or uh, just being a fast guy, like you gotta you gotta be that tenacious, physical, hard to play against guy, and then chip in and scoring, and then I, f- I feel like that can really add add to a guy's career and and uh, and separate himself from from the rest of the guys. And it's got to be delicate for you too, because I know for me we have an image of being rockheads, right? To everybody, yeah, yeah. But then when you spend time with these kids and they see like, oh no, he, there's. It's not just go out there and be Jared Bowl. It's go out there and be an effective player on the puck, uh, because teams are craving that. I mean, there's teams that are looking for that physicality, all in the NHL, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. The, I tell them that too. It's not about. <laughs> like sometimes I did just run a guy as hard as you can and try to put him in the third row. Like that's that's not what I'm saying, but. Um, if the if a chance is there to be physical, it not only does it it gets the team going and it and it brings momentum, but it, it if you're the opposing team and you got guys running you all the time and and just slowing you up and making it hard to to get that ice, it's after 60 minutes it 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 wears on you. So um, I try to get them to play like that now because you ever watch the playoffs, it's it's a different game and it's it's a it's a war for four rounds and uh, obviously everyone's goal is to get to the, the Stanley cup and win a Stanley cup. And I just believe you can't play one way during the regular season. And, and all of a sudden, I don't care how good you are all of a sudden be like, Oh, it's playoffs. We're going to start playing physical and turn it on. Like you can't do that. So if you don't play that way all year, um, how are you going to do it when it, when it really means something? So um, that's just try to what I try to, to get across these guys is is you don't need to run around like an idiot, but you need to be physical. You need to be hard to play against. You need you need to be ready to go into into battle every night because um, hopefully one day we're we're good enough and and we can start being a playoff team um, every year and and that's where you start to all that hard work that you put in throughout the years pays off. Yeah, I mean it's good you have that insight from your experience, but also the balance to understand the player and kind of how they can see that in the right light because uh, I could see it being a message coming one way if you weren't that open and in tune with how it works. Uh, I want to ask you, we see you, we don't see you in the first and second on the bench, but then in the third period you're down on the bench. What's that like being on the NHL bench during during a game? And also what are you doing in the first and second? Uh, it's just kind of a different view. From the first and second, I'm uh, – I usually pick – a couple guys, or, or we'll talk as a coaching staff, and I'll watch guys closely from up top. And uh, you can't, for me at least, now I can't watch everyone. If if I'm gonna really do it right, you pick a few guys, and and you can see the game way different from up top. Um, and, and then you come down to the bench, and it's another a different way of seeing the game. Um, to tell you the truth, in the third period, I'm not. I'm more of a cheerleader. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Running the bench. Well, it's hard to see um, everything. But yeah, but you can really get in the guy's ears and and what you've been watching the first two periods. You can go down and 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 talk to him, and uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, for me, it's the best of both worlds. Like I said, it's it's two totally different ways of watching the game um, and and seeing the game and and coming down on the bench. You really feel a part of it. You really feel like you're in it. Um, but sitting upstairs, you you see a lot of different stuff that you wouldn't catch down at ice level. So um, it's been really good for me. Is there a lot of juice down there on the bench? 
Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you're between the benches yeah. sometimes, and it, you just, on a big game, and, a, you know, you just, you still get those butterflies a little bit. So it's uh, it's awesome, and, and hopefully I, I have a long career uh, behind there. It's funny the chirping that goes on back and forth, and, and I get to hear a little bit of it, but there's some of it where I'm like, no, you can do better. I'm thinking to myself, no, no, I'm waiting for a comeback, or I'm waiting for someone to grab someone, and I see you there on the bench. So I look over sometimes, and I see you getting a little bit, you look intense, and I, I know I, I think I know what you're thinking at the time because uh, we would probably probably address things in a much different yeah. fashion. You feel that inside sometimes, oh, and have to keep it in. Yeah, hundred percent. Just like I said, everyone's part of this team. So when I see someone going after one of the players, I you know I want to stand up for him, but I guess I can't. Um, <laughs> but you yeah, do it so, once. Yeah, I, I know I, I might, but uh, you know I, I agree with you. Sometimes I hear. What these guys are saying, I'm like, oh, I, got, I got a way better one than that. But <laughs> you got to work on that. Is that a lost art? Is it becoming a lost art? The chirping. I think guys are nicer. Yeah, like everybody's 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 buddy, right? Oh, we used Everybody to say it so our teammates could hear how good it was too, and yeah. then watch him fold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. The more you can, I, I guess you can't say that, but yeah, you. <laughs> Yeah, it's the guys are a little bit nicer now. It was yeah, ruthless. I, they, I mean, there I was Steve were Ott and Sean Avery, and those guys were the they were the most ruthless I've ever heard. I think. I mean, I think guys used to do their homework and do some background checks and stuff before the <laughs> games because they they would say something like, "How do you know that?" So, uh, now you're off your game. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's to that level. You really anymore. want to come back at him, and then when you're going, oh, "How would he know that?" Well, they, like, you could know so much now with social media. Oh, they yeah. got a huge advantage. They just don't use it. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no, it's it's still uh, it's definitely still in the game, but uh, a little toned down, I think, than it used to be. A lot more mics around the rink. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> but the guy between the benches, now you can't yeah. say so much stuff between the benches. I can't hear a thing with these headsets on. <laughs> you guys could say whatever you wanted. I can't hear. I have to take my headset off to say, did he just say what I hope he said? <laughs> Jared, just one last thing I want to ask you is because – from the time you retire and then become a coach, time moves quickly, and players cycle through very quickly. How many of these young guys remember you as a player or know what you did as a player, the kind of player that you were, and how long you spent in the NHL? Uh, I don't know. I, I really have no clue. Um, don't really talk about it much with them. Um, you don't carry your resume around? Yeah. No. In the that, that, that is the right answer, and that's what I figured the answer yeah, would be. Course. I think most of them think I'm a little nuts just because of the way I, I am. So they might think that there was, uh, you know, a dark past there <laughs> at, at some point. But um, they're doing Google searches. They're on yeah, YouTube. <laughs> but uh, and they're nicer to you the next day. No, oh I, don't, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't really talked about it. A couple of guys will will come on and be like, oh, I came across you on YouTube or whatever. But that's that's about it. Yeah, you're still a YouTube star. Both of you guys yeah. are still YouTube stars. <laughs> Sometimes you just got. Just got to have somebody that wants to look for it. So I, just, I just hope I they're watch. watching the, the few that I want. Yeah, that's how I feel. The rest of them. I'll look at a few of those. I'm like, ooh, I'm not reposting that one. Yeah. <laughs> how can I get this deleted? Yeah. Do you report those? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> report those to YouTube. <laughs> Copyright infringement. Get this that's thing right. off of here, right? Jared, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. Uh, it's, it's great to have you here. It was great to have you here as a player. It's great to have you back as a coach and uh, just be a part of what's going on here because uh, – I firmly know when this thing gets turned around, it's going to be people like you that have been a part of it before that have come back and want to stay a part of it in a different role that are going to make a difference. So thanks very much. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. It was awesome.
All right, that is Jared Bull. He's Blue Jackets coach, and uh, we'll come back with more of the Inside Edge. But first, I want to tell you that the 2023-24 Blue Jackets ticket plans are on sale right now. They start at just 11 games. You can choose the seats that you want, the games you want, and save up to 28%. For details, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. Back with more of the Inside Edge after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. We're getting set to wrap up today's show. We're coming to you from L.A. Live. The Blue Jackets and the Kings tomorrow. And it's going to be weird to see Jonas Korpisalo and Vladislav Gavrikov in those Kings uniforms live. I mean, I've seen them on TV. They're both having very good success. And, of course, we wish them the best, but not tomorrow. Um, But ever since they got there, the Kings are rolling. Yeah, they are. I don't think they have a loss. They might have one, but. You know, they infused two great people in their lineup, shored up their goaltending, and, and really, you know, I, there was a lot of questions people would ask, you know, what's Gavrikov like? How does he play? Can he be – is he fast enough? I'm like, you're overthinking it. You're overthinking it in many levels because uh, he's such a – he's such a dynamic person. You know what I mean? Like, he brings it in the locker room. He, we see him on the ice and how he plays. And I know getting to a new team, especially in California at the deadline, I mean, you get – Fired up, and you, it's hard to believe that you're going to the rink and flip-flops with a great team who expects to win, and winning is in the locker room, and you're you you know, you're talking playoffs, and you see where you fit in. And your urgency level goes way up. So for those two players, yeah, you got to be excited for them. I think that they have got one shootout loss since those players have arrived. So good on them to be in that environment, and what a change of scenery and what a change of, uh, of, of hope to go win a Stanley Cup for them. Actually, when you look at the standings in the Pacific Division – what the Blue Jackets did had an impact overall because those two guys come to L.A. and you just talked about the success that they have had. The Vegas Golden Knights are in first place right now. Of course, the Blue Jackets acquired Jonathan Quick and then flipped him to the Golden Knights, and he's been good since he's gotten there. He's gotten a shutout. He's gotten three wins. Uh, he's one of those players, again, and it's one of those assessments. I'll go back to what I just said about Gavrikov. You're overthinking it. This guy is a a guy that battles. You've changed the environment. There's a new purpose for the athlete, and athletes need to feel important. And I think when you get in a groove as an athlete and you get comfortable and you know what's expected and you know kind of your environment too well, it can be, and you're not knowing, this is just human nature, it can be a little stale. But now he's in an exciting place that counts on him, and and that's a huge thing for a competitor. So I've always loved Jonathan Quick. I mean, he's got those Stanley Cups with the LA Kings. He was a cornerstone piece, and you bring a guy like that into your locker room, it's almost like a flurry in a sense, uh, but I think he's just a, a different personality. I think that's what a great pickup. And nice job by the Blue Jackets to put him. I'm not sure if LA loved that move, but uh, what do I know? I don't know anything about behind the scenes. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, we haven't had this show for the last couple of weeks, so I haven't gotten to ask you this question. Rob Blake, who's the general manager of the Kings, is a good friend of yours. Yep. You played with him. He's a former teammate. When the deal was made with Jonathan Quick, the reports were that he was furious because he had no indication prior that he might be getting traded from the franchise. As you said, he was a cornerstone of. He's a guy that's going to get a statue out in front of that building someday for sure. But it, it was that he wasn't told. Did that surprise you, knowing Rob Blake the way that you do? Or, or, or do you even think that's true, knowing him the way that you do, that that, that would happen like that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was surprised that they traded him, but Rob Blake does – you know, he, he's a very thoughtful guy. It's him and Luke Robitaille, too, and, and Glenn Murray. And there's a good group there with the L.A. Kings. And, um, you know, I think he did it with the, the 
thoughts and feelings of Jonathan Quick in mind. I'm sure the, tr- the trade to Columbus was, all right, we'll make this trade, but do right by Jonathan Quick. And I think that was the consideration. And, and of course, you're always heartbroken when you don't know a trade is coming. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you stand back, the initial reaction, I think, around the hockey world was the same. Wow. But I think when you stand back and look at it, you say, well, that was the best thing for the team and Jonathan Quick. It all worked out very well. Yeah, it did work out well. And uh, But as you said, maybe not for the Kings because he went to a direct competitor. And, and he'll be fired up if they meet in the playoffs. Right. And any time anytime that there are trades like that made, I mean, they're never – remember when Martin Jones went from – where did he go from? The Kings – to the Bruins, to the Sharks, was that the way it was? I th- that kind of a I'm deal, one hundred percent, but something like that. Yeah, it was something like that, and uh, so you don't. If you're going to, if that goalie is going to show up in um, in the division, it's yeah, not going to be by your doing, <laughs> right? Right. I mean that, and that's the risk you take when you have that. You know, when you move a piece, and it could end up back and haunting you. But I mean, that's that's how it works with business. You still have to keep your the the interest, the best interest of your team. In mind, because at the end of the day, Rob Blake's job is to make sure the team is in the best position for the playoffs, and that's the move he made. I am so glad that in today's world, the answer to every question is in the palm of your hand. Because (laughs) as I was talking about Martin Jones, I was thinking to myself, I think that has a Blue Jackets connection too. It does. Sean Corrali was dealt from the Sharks to the Bruins in that trade. Martin Jones went from L.A. to Boston before he ever played there. Boston traded him right back to San Jose, and Sean Corrali was part of that deal. And then had a big career with the Bruins before signing with the Blue Jackets last year. See, sometimes sometimes this is why information sticks, and I don't understand, you know, and it just needs uh, a little bit of a trigger. A little home flavor there for you. (laughs) That's right. Hey, let's look at the East right now. Uh, The New York Islanders played here last night. In fact, some of their personnel we're still in the hotel here with us this morning. Uh, the Islanders, as it stands today, going into action tonight, actually, um, they are in the second wild card spot. Pittsburgh has overtaken them, although Pittsburgh really blew it last night with a loss against Montreal. They lost 6-4 to four in that one. But uh, the Islanders are now in that second spot, and creeping up there are the Florida Panthers. They are not going away. And as I look at these standings, Jody, and I don't know if you'll agree, it looks to me like Florida's really – the last remaining threat there. Buffalo went through a bad spot, kind of took themselves out. I guess they could get hot again. Washington, we know that they started to sell off at the trade deadline, but uh, the Florida Panthers, you can't count them out. They've got two games in hand on the New York Islanders, and and that is a major deal right now for the Florida Panthers. That's a team that's underachieved all year. If they can find their roles and figure out their game and hit the playoffs at the right time, they could find a little magic. But it all depends on Sergei Bobrovsky, former Blue Jacket, two-time Vesna winner here with the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's going to be an interesting watch. The Pittsburgh Penguins, to me, they're going to be dangerous when things things are on the line, but they're still so inconsistent. So that's going to be interesting to watch. They're five ahead of the Florida Panthers. And then the Islanders are only three ahead of the Florida Panthers right now. So, I mean... You you know, and you, we remember this being in the playoff race. You lose a game and someone's chasing you, you really now, – now that's the first game of their trip. So now they have to win tonight in Anaheim, and then they have to go to San Jose and win. Two teams that are, that are playing for nothing. And that's – you talk about the Montreal Canadiens beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's a dangerous time to play these teams because the pressure's on you and the urgency's not there. You know, you play the Bruins or the Leafs or the Rangers, you got that feeling of, okay, we've got to get this done. And I think the allergies have done that recently, but that's the beauty of the playoff races and where these teams sit. In the Atlantic Division, 
we've known for a long time it'll be Toronto and Tampa in the first round. But as you look at the points, Tampa is closing in on Toronto. And the battle is not to see who you're going to play. It's where you're going to start and who's going to have the home ice advantage in the first round. And the Lightning find themselves only two points behind the Maple Leafs now to get that home ice in the first round. You know, as I think initially, I think I'd rather start on the road if I was Tampa. I don't find Toronto a tough place to play as far as that. I think Tampa's a more dangerous place. And I I think that, you know, if you get Toronto to start on the road, less pressure, they're in Florida, they can get, you know, you kind of build a camp for a few days there. You know you're going to be there for four or five days. If I was Toronto, I wouldn't mind falling out of that home ice advantage, but I guess it comes down to game seven. And, and for Tam- I don't think it matters to Tampa. I really don't. I think that, that you know, of course they can get up there and, and get that home ice, but they're a team that, to me, if they roll into Toronto, set up camp, you know, they understand distractions, they understand the, the, the importance of getting one of those two games on the road, uh, that's a big deal. Of course, it's something to talk about, but you're right. And it's going to be interesting down to the wire here. Do they... How do they finish the season? I think that's the most important thing for Tampa. They've had dealt with a few injuries now. There's some inconsistencies. We're talking about they already know who they're playing. So, like, how do you get up for that? I mean, that's a team that wants to win a Stanley Cup. So you have to go through the offseason going to the Stanley Cup finals again. You have to go through training camp. You have to go through the regular season. They'll be ready and rested and rest some of those players uh, for that first-round series. Speaking of injury... Andre Svechnikov, yeah, that's a big one. out for the year for the Carolina Hurricanes. A knee injury, he's done. You look at the standings, Metropolitan Division. Carolina is sitting on top, but they are now just two points ahead of the New Jersey Devils, and you've got to believe the New Jersey, they see an opportunity not to play the New York Rangers in the first round. Yeah. And they're a young team. I am sure they want that top spot so they can get a wild card. Oh, team. absolutely. After the season they've had, uh, you know, it'd be. I would love to see the Rangers Devils. Who wouldn't? I mean, that's the matchup we want in the first round. But you know, Carolina. That's too bad. Svechnikov. I mean, he's a. I know he went through over twenty games without a goal, but he still is a dangerous, dynamic score for the, for that team that is lacking scoring. And Pacioretty was one of those guys they picked up. He had another uh, um, Achilles tendon tear, so that's a terrible injury for him. And then they didn't do much at the deadline to, to sure up and help their scoring ability. So, you know, that's where you look at some of these teams like Boston. I mean, they went out and got Bertuzzi after Hall was down and Felino went down at that exact perfect time where they needed to go out and make that move. And now they're even deeper. They're going to have good players sitting out uh, in the playoffs when guys are healthy. So the depth of the Carolina Hurricanes is getting tested a bit. I like the way they play. I think if there's one team that plays that real team uh, frustrating game to play against. It's that team, Carolina. They can play a patient game. And sometimes you play against teams that want to run and gun, and you can frustrate them. They might be a good matchup for the Boston Bruins. Who knows? But they're going to have to go through them at, at some point if they want to win Stanley Cup. My last question for you. In the West, quietly, the Nashville Predators are climbing. They have now passed the Calgary Flames. Uh, they're still out of the playoffs looking in, but they're now trailing Winnipeg by only four points. Can Nashville who was selling off pieces just weeks ago, find a way to get into the playoffs in David Poyles last year as the general manager. You know what? They've only played 65 games. The Winnipeg Jets have played 68. That could be a factor. Seattle's played two more games than them. Can they hang on? I mean, they made no moves at the deadline, pretty much saying that we've overachieved a little bit this season, and, you know, we hope we make the playoffs. We're glad to be in the race. Of course they want to make the playoffs, but – 
you know, can they hang on as the pressure mounts here? Because they surprised teams early, and then they didn't, and now they're starting to fall a little bit. Winnipeg, they're having a tough time. Hellebuck's, he was a story. He was consistent. He was getting wins. Uh, he's been a little bit off lately, so that's not helping that team. Uh, Morrissey's been out with an injury. They're, they're star-studded defenseman who's up for the Norris Trophy uh, conversation. So, Nashville, I don't know. I mean, they, they have something there. They have the players to do it. I know Ryan Johansson is out now. But that's a team, I love the race. So them, and hey, how about Calgary? They got to pick it up too. They're right there. So that's a team I expect to be in the playoffs, but they've played the same amount of games as Winnipeg. So will Nashville and Calgary get in and Seattle and Winnipeg fall? Those are the questions, and they are soon going to be answered. Well, I would like to thank Jared Bull for being our guest tonight here on the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets tomorrow night. You're going to be right across the street from where we are right now at Crypto.com Arena to take on the Los Angeles Kings. That game getting underway at 10.30 Eastern time. And pregame coverage begins at 10 o'clock on Bally Sports Ohio and on the Blue Jackets radio network. That's going to do it for us from L.A. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.